Hi, welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a large range of rock and metal topics for the casual listener. I am your host, Don Sutherland, and with me as always is my brother, Andrew Sutherland. What's up, dirtbags? All right, uh, we actually have some, uh, we, have a, we have a message. It just says, there's a new Manowar song out, and it's not good. So, yeah. I haven't listened to the new song yet, but apparently it's not good. I, I listened to it once because it popped up on my Spotify feed or whatever, and I, I listened to it once, and it was kind of just forgettable. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't really expect right. a lot from Manowar as far as like new material. Yeah, if they put out all they need to put out. I, I haven't listened to it yet, so I'm going to I'm gonna check it out really quickly right now. I have to use the uh, the like it's called the YouTube audio library. It has all the license free songs in it for, yeah. for all my school projects and stuff. If I want any music that I don't have to like make myself or pay for, it sounds like one of those. It sounds like a royalty free song that someone puts up there. That line, like the line near the start where it says their records are plastic, ours are gold. I'm like right away, like, oh my god, this is just getting too is too much. It's like yeah. too cheesy, man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, what are we talking about today, Andrew? Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about my 10 favorite hard rock and metal singers from the 1970s. All right. Let's get into it. Before I get into the actual uh, list of my favorite hard rock and metal singers of the 1970s, um, full disclosure, this is based more on actual singing ability, so like, say, octave range, power, clarity, and control of, of their voice. Not necessarily a stage presence or like charisma or like iconic status, I guess. Cool. So okay. a couple of omissions that people are going to notice very quickly is like a very glaring omission would be Ozzy. I didn't put him on this list because oh. even though like at least a few Sabbath albums are in my top 10 70s hard rock metal albums for sure, but like Ozzy as a singer, is like, he's got a very distinctive voice, but I've never really considered him to be an outstanding singer in like a technical sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess he, he's always at like another level when he's singing, but he doesn't really travel around too much. Yeah, I mean, just compared to other guys as far as like range and, and, and vocal power and stuff goes and like clarity and all that, like he's definitely like, he, he sounds like Ozzy and no one else could be him. He's made some great music, you know, it's just, for example, like if I was making a list of the most iconic hard rock and metal singers of the 70s, Obviously, Ozzy would be in there, as well as like Lemmy, uh, Phil Lynott, and Bon Scott, guys like that. Yeah. But uh, right. just because I'm doing this strictly on their actual vocal, like yeah, like how well they can abilities. genuinely sing. Yeah. Because there's yeah. lots of guys like that. Bon Scott, especially. Like Bon Scott, if we're talking technically, he can't sing. Yeah, but as far as like the <laughs> personality and his lyrics and stuff, like he was such a presence, yeah. right? Such yeah, exactly. A well, yeah, there's yeah, there's so many guys like that, like so, uh, Brandon yeah. Flowers, Dexter Holland. So just before before anybody gets in a big like, you know, gets their uh, panties in a knot over guys that I left out, I just wanted to clarify that, right? So it's probably good, good call. Yeah, I'll do a I'll do a brief rundown of each singer. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, totally. and then I'll I'll pick a song for each that was released in the '70s uh, mm -hmm. that I find best showcases their voice in, in those aspects, like sure, you know, the, yeah, the range and power and whatnot. 
Yeah, um, sounds good. Good good disclaimer to get out there right away too. So even on uh, our our post about the Grammys that we put up on Facebook, I saw some of the comments and someone said Megadeth is more metal than we'll ever be. I'm like, ah, you didn't read what the post was about, man. We didn't say replied, Megadeth wasn't metal. I <laughs> yeah, replied I that one. Yeah. yeah, very very nicely. It's like you I, gotta, I'm pretty you gotta sure, read things before you get angry. I'm pretty sure I said that uh, Megadeth song was the only song that was for sure metal on that list. Yeah. Which is like I'm, yeah, I'm 100 percent sure I said that uh, like in, in not necessarily oh. those exact words, but essentially that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So we, we were right. Yeah. Anyway. As we <laughs> but, always uh, are. So this list won't necessarily be in order. But the like my number one and two are pretty clear, but the rest could be in any order essentially. Okay. So uh, yeah, let's start with the first guy. Uh, this is someone that you may or may not have heard of. A guy named Graham Bonnet. Uh, I, I want to say that sounds familiar but it could just be like a couple of English names put together. Uh, so he is, he is English, a guy named uh, Graham Bonnet. He was the lead singer for Rainbow, Richie Blackmore's band after Deep Purple. Oh, okay. For one, for one album, though. He just did one mm. album in 1979 called Down to Earth. Uh, and they cut it pretty close to this list, but it's still 70s. So. Right. Uh, he, he actually took over from Ronnie James Dio, who went on to replace Ozzy in Black Sabbath after singing with Rainbow for a few albums. Okay. I just assumed Rainbow was done when he left. So that's interesting. No, not at all. They yeah. Rainbow made music like all through the eighties and stuff. And I think oh wow. Till now I think they might still be kinda of off and on. But before he got into hard rock, Bonnet was more of a bluesy rock or pop singer. So he was in okay. a duo called The Marbles and they had a hit single called Only One Woman that was written by the Gibb brothers of the Bee Gees, oddly enough. Oh, interesting. I didn't know they did songwriting. Yeah, I, I don't really know a lot about the Bee Gees it's just happened to pop up. Mm-hmm. Uh he only sang for Rainbow for the one album, like I was saying, before moving on to do the Assault Attack album with uh, Michael Schenker group. And then he, after that, formed his own group called Alcatraz that that I'm familiar with, uh, that featured a, a young Ingwe Malmsteen and also a young Steve Vai on the first two albums, respectively. So he has a wow. pretty wicked guitarist. Yeah, uh, like a springboard uh, band. Just kind of coming into the scene at the time. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, that, that album he did with Rainbow was, uh, was pretty good. And uh, Bonnet's singing style is characterized by a loud, powerful singing voice with the ability to also sing the softer melodies. Um, One thing I tried to do when I was researching each singer is I was trying to find what their actual vocal range was. And uh, like, I don't really know necessarily how to interpret this, but you you might have a better idea. So the site that I use for a lot of these, it was, uh, it basically like found all these notes that these singers had hit in specific songs. Okay. So this might not be necessarily like this range is like it's the range that they actually hit in certain songs, but not necessarily like the range that they sang at most of the time, kind of thing. Yeah, so, like in like, recordings, what they got to. Yeah, like there might be higher, higher notes or octaves or whatever, and lower ones than the, in their normal range, I guess. Yeah, I so, get you. Uh, Bonnet is said to have a vocal range of about three octaves, and from like from E E two to C six, you know what that means. Those are just, those are those notes, are just right? notes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think in terms of like segments of the piano, that's the amount of segments that mm-hmm. that are there. So that's like three segments. So so for each of these singers, I'll try if if I could find the information, I'll spout out what uh, range of notes I guess that they got to from like certain songs that they did, uh, and then whatever range of octaves that they're said to have. Mm-hmm. And then so they also besides his uh, his his range there. He's also able to sing in like nine semitones, whatever the hell those are. Look at yeah, I won't. Dude. I won't try on that one. 
Yeah, and I looked it up, but I can't remember what it is. And it's too technical for me. Uh, he, he's uh, got a nickname. He's known as the Amazing Iron Lung. Wow. So he can hold notes. Cool nickname. Yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got a powerful voice. I mean, all, all these guys that are on this list have like something in their voice that kind of stands out, or, or yeah. several things, right? So. Oh, a semitone is like in between a note. That's really okay. cool. So that's really interesting to be able to do, like to identify it too. So it's like there's the, like the keys on the piano. He's singing between the keys where there isn't another key. Oh, is that like sharps and flats? That was, yeah, was but it's like more precise than that even. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for the clarification. Yeah, no worries. Um, thanks for doing my research for me. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, so the second guy I was going to talk about was actually Sammy Hagar, but I changed my mind. Because uh, like Sammy Hagar, before he was in Van Halen, sang in a band called Montrose yeah. back in the early 70s. And then he did like all of his solo stuff all through the mid to late 70s into the 80s. And yeah, like I, yeah. I, I like Sammy Hagar's voice, and he's a great musician. But I, uh, I found somebody that I like better. So, <laughs> from 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 that time period, at least. Right. So I'm going to talk about a guy named Frank Domino. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've probably never heard of him. Uh, I he's a, no, it doesn't ring a bell. He's an American singer, most notably the vocalist for a '70s hard rock group called Angel, and we actually talked about them before. Uh, yeah, so, I heard of Angel for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so they were discovered playing in a nightclub by Gene Simmons from Kiss, and they got signed to Kiss's label, Casablanca. Hmm. Yeah, Angel came up in that live performance in a movies episode that we did. Right. Uh, they showed up in that movie, Foxes, in 1980. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so like I said, I was on the fence because I was going to use Sammy Hagar, and I feel kind of bad about taking him out of here, but I was listening to Angel a bit more, and Domino's vocal style just really grew <laughs> on me. He's just better. <laughs> At least in... in when you think of you know range and hitting high notes and whatnot, yeah, yeah. So yeah, his range is pretty impressive. I couldn't find a number on him. There's not a lot of, as much stuff on Domino. Like he doesn't have his own Wikipedia page, yeah, or anything. And like the the site that I was using to find uh, the vocal range of all these other guys, he wasn't on there. Yeah, um, but I, I I would just from like the other research I did, he's got to have a range of four octaves. I would assume, like just compared to the other singers that I've looked up. That yeah, like you've listened to enough music to be able to tell this this guy can yeah. reach those places. Well, just from in, that. just from doing this this research for this specific yeah. topic, too. Like mm -hmm. some singers who had four octave ranges, like it sounds to me like he would have a similar range. Um, yeah. and he's he was great at hitting high notes and like sustaining them. Okay. And yeah, so sorry, Sammy Hagar, but you are number eleven <laughs> on my list, and my list only goes to ten. So. <laughs> All right. So next up. Obviously, you've heard of this guy, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm familiar with him. Yeah, I've heard Aerosmith's name tossed around a couple times. Yeah, once or yeah. twice. So uh, Aerosmith was formed in Boston around 1970 by Steven Tyler, uh, guitarist Joe Perry, and bassist Tom Hamilton. They made it big in the mid to late 70s with their albums uh, Toys in the Attic and Rocks. Uh, Tyler is known for his range, which is from that site that I looked up. It was from D2 to E6. He's probably okay. That's about what four? No, wait, E D. Yeah, it's almost. That's over four. Yeah, well, in the, like some of the songs he sang, he's hit like ridiculous notes. Yeah, yeah. So he's known for his range and his control over his high notes. He's known as the Demon of Screaming. That's his <laughs> yeah. nickname. One article I read said his vocal style could be described as a countertenor, which apparently is the rarest voice type. And I'm not, I'm not sure how accurate this is. I think it's because he's been able to hit some really, really high notes that a lot of people can't hit. But I yeah, don't know no, how... I just don't know how um, how often he can do it. So like, I just don't know if he does it enough to really be 
call the counterterror, but he's, somebody called him that anyway. So obviously they had some sort of basis. Yeah. So the I, I looked it up too, and I found a, a United Kingdom government page saying that, yeah, countertenor is the rarest of all voice types. And originally, you could really only be a countertenor as a male if you were one of the castrati. Or you'd you know cut off. Is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if they like cut your nuts off before you hit puberty so your voice wouldn't change. <laughs> Which uh, I, I don't think they do anymore. Hopefully not. Did they do that just so guys' voices would be higher? Like just so they yeah, could it was be... like spe- specifically so you could sing in a choir. Oh my god, sing, that's... A, sing like the female parts as a male. That's so messed up. <laughs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> it's um, not. It's not great. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so in the seventies, before Tyler's voice became raspier from years of abuse, he could sing pretty clean on top of hitting those high notes as well. Mm-hmm. Even now, like with all the abuse, he still he still has it. Like he can still hit those. Oh yeah, I watched some live performances on YouTube, and I was doing this research of some shows he did, and like, mm-hmm. and like some of the notes he was hitting, and like holding them, like it wasn't just yeah, like it was he wasn't just like popping them out real quick, like he was holding these notes for a fairly sustained period of time, and it was like mm-hmm. it was pretty impressive, man. <laughs> like yeah, like the the high the high part at the end of Dream On, he can still do it. Yeah, well, and that's. I mean, we'll talk about that later, but Dream Mom was like, I was very tempted to use that song in the workout playlist, but it's just a little bit too overplayed. <laughs> yeah. It was also, it takes a long time to build up to. It's a, it's yeah. not really much of a workout song. It's a great song. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I love that song. But Otherwise, it'll be one of the ones where you're, you're sitting there for a minute straight before it kicks in so you can do your set. Yeah, yeah but those notes he hits at the end of that, like they're mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Crazy. All right, next up, we're going to do Ian mm-hmm. Gillen. That sounds familiar for sure. Yeah, you'll you'll know him. We've talked about him before. So uh, another British singer, best known for his time with Deep Purple from there 19- it is. Okay. Yeah, from <laughs> 1969 to 1973, uh, known for his powerful voice and vocal range. Like right. most of these guys are going to be known for their powerful voice and vocal range, right? Yeah, kind of goes with the territory with this list. <laughs> it's but, a very um, soft-spoken one in there somewhere. Not so much, no. Okay. Uh, featured on many of Deep Purple's best albums, including Deep Purple in Rock and Machine Head. He uh, he released a solo album called Mr. Universe in 1979, and it highlights the softer, more melodic side of Gillen's voice as well as his upper range. Uh, most notably, a song called Fighting Man, which is not going to be on this uh, workout playlist, but I just wanted to bring it up because I, I listened mm-hmm. to it. It's a pretty cool song. Right. So in uh, in his prime, he was rumored to possess a vocal range of four and a half to five octaves. Wow. Although, according to reports I've read, the evidence suggests more four octaves. So it depends okay. <laughs> to talk to, I guess. And his range from what I looked up was D2 to C5. So, yeah. all right, next guy. Uh, we're yep. going to do Klaus Mein. I think that's how you say it. It's a German name. Okay. He's the uh, the longtime lead singer of the Scorpions. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So uh, along with guitarist Rudolf Schenker, he is the only member to appear on every Scorpions album, even though he joined the band four years after they formed. So uh, after releasing a couple of throwaway albums early on, uh, Lonesome Crow and Fly to the Rainbow, <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't even listen to those uh, <laughs> ever. <laughs> but uh, In Trance, the the album In Trance showed some promise. And then in 1976, their album Virgin Killer, they re- really established the Scorpions, and it showed off Mind's vocal range and power. And uh, this continued on subsequent albums and kept kind of getting better. Right. Uh, Mind's vocals are the most distinctive part of the Scorpions. In my mind, I mean, although yeah, no, uh, definitely. there's some great guitar work in there as well, but his, I'd say, yeah, it's pretty obvious that his voice is the most recognizable 
thing. Yeah, it's it's so powerful. Like you can just yeah. you can just tell it it doesn't uh I wouldn't say overpowers the music, but it's yeah, it takes center stage cuz it's just such a powerful voice. But when you like, like hear there. a Scorpion song, like you hear his voice, you're like that's the Scorpions, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh his his ability to hold his notes while he's maintaining his power is is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. He's also able to sing fairly melodically as heard in several of the Scorpions ballads such mm-hmm. as a song called In Your Park, uh, Life's Like a River, or their massive hit in the 80s, Wind of Change. Mm-hmm. That's which, the one I was thinking of. Uh, he's considered a tenor with a range from G2 to C6. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. Most of these guys have a pretty good range. and it's, yeah, it's, It nice. seems like most of them are considered tenors as well. That's that's crazy. I do have a, it's not a full piano. I have a keyboard next to me. So every time you say that, I'm like measuring it. And that's yeah. That's absolutely nuts. Yeah, this is why, I mean, I, I picked these guys for a reason, and they all have fairly impressive range. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Yep. We're going to get to Glenn Hughes. So Glenn Hughes is a, an English bassist and singer who replaced uh, Roger Glover in Deep Purple in 1973, and he also ended up as the co-lead vocalist as well as bassist. Two Deep Purple singers, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, Deep Purple went through, I mean, they've gone through a lot of singers as I mean, on that topic, he, he shared lead vocals with uh, David Coverdale for three Deep Purple albums. Okay. So okay. you know who David Coverdale is, right? Uh, played for Deep Purple, right? Uh, White Snake, dude. Oh, shit. I don't <laughs> listen to any White Snake. Oh, my God. You're really listening. at all? <laughs> uh, I know the one song, and I hate it because it plays too much, and that's it. Oh, here, here I go again. <laughs> Yeah, it's the only one I know, and I don't like it. Oh, I got so many, so many good songs. So got to explore the. I, I have to, I have to dive deep into it. It's good because I'm learning through all these episodes, like which bands really only have one song, and which ones have more. I could, I could find. So I'll, yeah. I'll put them on the list of those. I mean, a lot of White Snake stuff's pretty cheesy, but I, I like it. But, hey, that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. But we're not talking about White Snake right now. So. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Hugh's nickname is the, the Voice of Rock. That's a pretty cool nickname. Show wow. that people think of him, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he's known known for having a soulful, bluesy voice and a large vocal range and control. Mm-hmm. And uh, his vocal range is from D2 to D6, which is probably not okay. as broad of a range four. as some of the guys. That's four. That's four. That four? Octaves, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that the numbers mean where the octave starts. So, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. okay that's starting to make more sense to me now. Yeah. <laughs> There's a chance yeah. that I'm getting it wrong, but that makes that makes sense to me looking at my piano right now. Like D two would be the second D on the piano. Okay, yeah, that I think makes sense to me. <laughs> so, although Hughes often came in as the second lead in Deep Purple, so like Coverdale would usually start off the lead. Mm-hmm. He did have the first lead in a few songs, and he's like I'm more familiar with him for more of his stuff after Deep Purple, but uh, I just I love his voice, and I just wanted to throw him in here because he's just right. Just a really good singer. Yeah. Um, he did some time with Black Sabbath as well in the 80s. He, he uh, sang on their album Seventh Star, uh, although it wasn't very good. It's actually a really weird album because <laughs> it sounds like the the guitars are like heavy, like they sound like good heavy songs, and then his voice is good, but they don't like they don't sync. Like the mm-hmm. the, the vocals and the instrumental of the songs just don't go well together. It's just a really weird album. Yeah. But uh, gotcha. it's too bad because like. You know, Tony Iommi's got so many great songs that he's written and stuff, and so many good albums. And then, like Glenn Hughes is a great singer. It's just it just was like 
not the right fit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, this can happen. But more recently, he was uh, the lead singer in a group called the Dead Daisies, which is, they're pretty awesome. Really mm-hmm. good hard rock group, like a more modern one. Um, but I think I've actually, I've heard of the Dead Daisies, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, they're really good. I but I mean, in this in this case, I'm talking about Hughes as the uh, vocalist for Deep Purple. Yeah, back in the 70s. Totally. All right, next up, we're we're gonna go through this list pretty quick. <laughs> that's, that's okay. <laughs> All right, next up is Robert Plant. So there's, there's a lot of guys I, on here. I don't know why I didn't I, I didn't go to Led Zeppelin. You said Hard Rock, and then I, I'm like Ozzy. Oh, Ozzy's out. I can't yeah. think of any other names right now. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah, the 70s. The 70s is a weird time because it's like metal wasn't really a thing yet until maybe like the late 70s. Yeah. So like, it's more it's more hard rock than metal, but things that would shape what metal would be were really starting to be released at that time. Yeah, so, like, yeah, totally. And like there's, I can't think of any examples, but I know we talked about it before. There's bands that are like making albums throughout the 70s that don't hit it till the 80s, so. Yeah. And I mean, as far as like actual metal goals, like the, well, we can talk about that later, but obviously Black Sabbath... Mm-hmm. would be considered early metal and yeah like yeah. led zeppelin even though i'd say they're probably not metal they're hard rock but they really mm-hmm. um helped like transform rock into what would be metal yeah totally and some of their or later things. stuff like i was list- i was just listening to um what was it achilles last stand today yeah uh, it's like the eight minute song off of i can't remember what album it is but it's getting kind of prog metally like they they kind of touch the line a little bit as uh their career goes on well, they really changed their style after four, really. Yeah. They, they they really started to experiment a lot. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's from Presence. Okay. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah, that's a later album. Which is a great, that's a fantastic album. So, uh, I mean, obviously, you know who Robert Plant is. So lead singer of yeah. <laughs> you know, le- legendary English hard rock band Led Zeppelin. He was their lead singer from their beginnings in the late 60s up until they broke up in 1980. And uh, mm-hmm. Plant was able to use his voice to convey a lot of emotion he could sing like subdued ballad type songs and then he, you know, crank it up to 11, hitting high notes with pretty impressive power. Yeah. Do those weird moans that he throws in once in a while where he's just kind of going like, yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Every time he does is you just picture him on stage with like, he's wearing that shirt that has no chest or stomach on it. Just like his, yeah. just the arms, like, just like kind of like gyrating or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just so like scream moaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he he was extremely influential for many hard rock and metal vocalists that came after him. Uh, and Plant had a vocal range of, I don't know if this makes sense, F sharp two to C yep, sharp six. To yeah, C sharp yeah. six, does make sense? Yeah, so four octaves? About, yeah, just about four octaves. Yeah. Um, just under. His power and ability to hit high notes were uh, really apparent on Zeppelin's first four albums. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, the subsequent albums showed more of his versatility as a vocalist. I found. Yeah, well, yeah, they start they start doing some like longer songs that have these progressions and stories to them, and yeah, he experiments a little more. So this uh, this next one might surprise you, seeing as it's like a hard rock and metal list. But uh, I'm gonna go with Freddie Mercury. Really? Yeah, because if you listen to like, you don't hear a lot of it on the radio, but if you listen to Queen's older stuff, especially their first few albums. Yeah, there's uh, they're they're pretty hard rock. Like they're they're I, a lot heavier. That doesn't make sense. Like I've gone through, I've gone through their whole catalog before, um, just sort of playing it in a row. And yeah, I I would agree with you there. Like yeah, my, my, at the opera for sure. Yeah, exactly. My favorite Queen stuff is their probably their first album and like Sheer Heart Attack out of their first few albums. There, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I mean, I obviously I'm familiar with all their 
80s hits and their late 70s stuff like all their, their really big songs but I uh, personally I prefer the earlier stuff yeah I'm just I'm bringing it up because I gotta remember which songs are from early on but like Seven Seas of Rye I feel yeah. I feel like I'm in love with my car has got to be in one of the earlier ones like those are heavier songs yeah they, I, I yeah. would consider them especially for that time period I would definitely consider them a yeah. hard rock band at the oh time. totally oh Brighton Rock yeah okay they they definitely oh yeah would count so Mercury, his uh, birth name is Farouk Bulsara. Mm-hmm. He changed his name to like a more showy. Yeah, he's guess, from Zanzibar, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, he was born in yeah. Zanzibar, and then he went to England with his family in 1964. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, I definitely definitely consider Queen's older material to be, I would say, progressive hard rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Freddie Mercury's voice was a huge part of their distinctive sound. Right. Along with Brian May's wicked guitar work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Mercury, I would say, is not necessarily the most powerful voice on here, but his range and his control and clarity were really impressive. Yeah, um, and showmanship could hold the notes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not basing this so much on showmanship, but he definitely Just had like, that. Oh, for for sure. Yeah, if you're gonna even include Queen, like he's gonna be up there. Yeah, like if, even if I'm just talking about like technically as a singer, you know, like yeah. Mercury is like right up there. Yeah, totally. And it's it's interesting, too, if you've ever seen the interviews with him, because, like, yeah, I mean, he might not be as powerful as some of the, the other guys on the list, but, like, he's still very powerful. And then you hear him in interviews, and he's like, yeah, I'm just playing for the band. And it's like, he's so soft-spoken. Yeah, yeah. He's just saved it all for on stage, eh? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, the Mercury claimed that the four extra incisors he was born with enhanced his vocal range, so he had, like, extra teeth. Right. I think that yeah. was in the movie, what- wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, that which makes sense though, because for a, a buddy of mine, he was dating this girl that was in school for opera, but uh, she gave me and my friend a little bit of a lesson, and you have to like open up your mouth to get the notes out right and to be able to project it. So yeah. that makes sense; it would help. So it's like there's some science behind that. Yeah, like you have to expand your whole mouth when you're singing to do it properly. Yeah. Um, so Mercury's vocal range was considered uh, F2 to E flat 6, so another four octave range. Yep. Which it seems like most of these guys have about a four octave range. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're getting down to the, what, what would you call it when you get to like the top guys here? It's a good, what's a good phrase? It's just the top three? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, no, there's only two left. Right. Oh, the. We've done eight, so. I got I got nothing. I'm not pull- this is why I'm not a sports broadcaster. Bra- the, the brass tax is that the right? We're getting down to the I brass think that's, tax. I think that's when you're like getting to the roots of a problem, though. <laughs> oh, a problem. Okay, it wasn't the problem. Yeah, or like like a situation, you know. Oh, cream of the crop. There you go. Okay, the cream of the crop. There you go. So these are my top two, and probably some people can guess where I'm going going with this. I don't know if you will, but like hard rock metal guys, hopefully they'll some of them will agree with me on these ones. Um, I told you I'm drawing a blank, so I'm gonna be surprised either way. Okay, well, the the first top guy is uh, Dio. Come on, Ronnie James Dio. Damn it. So uh, Dio was an American singer. He got noticed by Richie Blackmore when his band Elf was opening for Deep Purple uh, regularly over a few years in the early 70s. Okay. And uh, I listened to some Elf, and Elf is like, it's good, but it's like really kind of bluesy stuff. It's not, it's not metal or hard rock. Like his voice is pretty distinctive in it, but it's uh, definitely not where he would go with, you know, Rainbow and... Yeah, more of a starting point, if anything. Yeah. Um, 
Blackmore recruited Dio and then also some of his bandmates from Elf to form Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Okay. Man, um, how would it feel to be like one of the guys that wasn't recruited? Yeah, no doubt. No, that sucks. Like, all right. <laughs> well, go go have fun. <laughs> definitely not all the guitarists anyway because Blackmore's a guitarist. So <laughs> yeah. definitely wouldn't need more than one guitarist. I would feel pretty yeah. rough if that was me. It was just like one guy who didn't get picked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like let's not tell him and just stop showing up to practice. Yeah, yeah, he's just sitting there waiting, just holding his guitar. Just <laughs> guys. <laughs> uh, Dio recorded three studio albums with Rainbow before moving on to replacing Ozzy and Black Sabbath, which we've talked right. about before. Yeah, uh, Dio's vocal range was from E two to C six, uh, considered a low tenor and had a four octave range. Wow, he uh, he had an incredibly powerful voice. It was like aggressive and accessible at the same time. Yeah, for such uh, a tiny dude too. Yeah, yeah, definitely belied his size for sure. Yeah, like, you ever seen him with his swords? And his all his swords are like the same size as him. <laughs> He's so small. Yeah, that's awesome. Is that they show him with the swords in that uh, headbanger? That, that, uh, yeah, yeah, because he goes to his house and and he's like, yeah, look at my wall of swords, and he's just like pulling them all out. Yeah, and, and headbanger's journey, right? Yeah, it, he, had, he had a really cool house with lots of neat shit on the walls. He seemed like such a cool guy. It's been a while since I've watched it, but I'm pretty sure he makes a note of Dio being like one of the most fun people of that whole process. So when you yeah, when you stop talking to the guys from Gorgoroth about how they want to like blow oh up God, the world, yeah. <laughs> and then Dio's just like, "Hey, check out my swords." Yeah, Dio seemed like a like just a genuine, genuinely good dude. Totally. But he but fuck that guy could sing. Yeah. And his voice just seemed to fit those fantasy themes so well too. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right, who do you think my number one is? Try and guess. I mean, I forgot Ronnie James Dio immediately, even though we talked about him a bunch. So, Ozzy's out. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have I have next to no guesses. All right. So, although I, you know, I wouldn't put him too far ahead of Dio because Dio's pretty high up there. But uh, my number one is going to be Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Ah, uh, okay. I think of '80s when I think of Judas Priest. So. Oh man, no, even though that's probably. Me. Well, I was going to say, that's probably wrong, because I just don't know Judas Priest that well. They put out lots of good stuff in the 80s, but like my personal favorite material mm-hmm. there is from the 70s. So, All right. another English singer, best known, obviously, for Judas Priest. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, after Black Sabbath, Rob Halford and Judas Priest were one of the main catalysts in the 70s for hard rock, taking the next step to becoming heavy metal. Oh, yeah. Like, Sabbath really set the stage for, like, doom metal in certain genres, but yeah. like Judas Priest, like really kicked it up a notch. Like in the late seventies, like nobody could really touch Judas Priest from where they took the music. Without like, knowing much, I, that seems right to me. <laughs> like they're they're such a they're such a famous band, uh, like, like highly regarded. Yeah, like the only other like I mean I could probably throw Motorhead in there as well, but the Motorhead's the style's different, right? It's like probably yeah. a slightly slightly different take on the genre, but like they're another band that just took it to the next level. But like yeah, Judas yeah. Priest revolutionized kind of right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so, totally. And sweet name too, because yeah, pretty like wicked. Black name. Sabbath it would have I guess like a bit more meaning, but Judas Priest like it means nothing. It's like it but doesn't it doesn't mean it. It sounds evil though. But it sounds so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's a sweet it's a sweet sound, but I can see like people who don't really understand anything <laughs> like judas priest oh my god they must be satanic I'm like no it's just a couple of words put together but it gives that image yeah it's like it sounds like it should be controversial but you're not sure <laughs> yeah exactly it sounds, it sounds badass it does it does sound badass 
Then uh, obviously Halford was complimented really well by Glenn Tipton and KK Downing doing their, mm-hmm. their dual lead guitar thing, which was one of the one of the other reasons that this band was just so groundbreaking. Right. Okay. But uh, yeah, so Halford, he's uh, got you know got a powerful operatic vocal style that was to yep. me incomparable to anyone else really at the time, at least in that genre. Yeah. Obviously, there's other people that are actual opera singers and whatnot that can sing like freaking crazy, but yeah. But but in general, yeah, I'm agree with you. Like even across the genres, like that's a voice that can't really be matched in a lot of places. Yeah, like I mean, I've heard very few people ever hit and hold high notes like that guy and just like the way he could play with them you know yeah uh and his he was able to sing the lower kind of growly vocals but it, like like i was saying his strength to me was always his ability to clearly hit and hold those high notes mm-hmm. um, he's another four octave singer so c2 to c sharp six right and it also says one semitone so oh, okay. that's something anyway yes you can hit that semitone if we got the definition right we know what that is so I, yeah i would say not head and shoulders above Dio, but I would say Halford's my favorite metal singer of the 70s, hard rock okay. and metal. And yeah. Dio would be like right behind him, I'd say. And then those other guys are all, you know, mixed in there pretty close. And I mean, there's, like I said, I had I had Sammy Hagar on there originally. He's up there too. He's, I like his voice. He's, He's number 11. Singer. Yeah, number 11. But then, I mean, all those other guys I mentioned before, like Phil Lynott, Ozzy, uh, mm-hmm. Lemmy, Bon Scott, like those guys are all, like I love all those guys and I loved all the music they put out. So. I'm not, this, this is not a knock on them. If I was going to do a list of like the best front men from the seventies, those guys would all be on it, you know? Yeah. Stylistically very different than uh, skill wise. Yeah. 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 So I'm just making that distinction. So people aren't getting too mad at me. Oh, this yeah. List, right? totally. yeah. Not safe. to safe to do, especially in oh. metal, as we've talked about and, uh, and learned a little bit. Like it's a, it's a touchy subject. Yeah. Talk about favorites and who's better than who. It's all, it's all opinion, right? And there's a lot of, yeah. And they yeah. are, uh, they are sometimes intense opinions. Yeah, extremely. All right, let's get to the uh, let's get to the music. Yeah, let's do it. I ain't got time to bleed. This is the Let's put a smile on that face. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. All right, we're just going to do it in the same order that I talked about the singers. Yep, sounds good. So the first guy we're going to do is, uh, the first song is uh, it's called Lost in Hollywood by uh, Rainbow with Graham Bonnet from the album Down to Earth from 1979. Uh, I, I didn't want to waste time with the song Since You've Been Gone. That's like the big hit from that album because it's okay. on the radio all the time and everyone's heard it. Yeah. Uh, Lost in Hollywood freaking rocks and it showcases Bonnet's powerful and melodic vocal style and he really steps it up in the chorus. All right, let's check it out. Lost in Hollywood, Rainbow. Wow, yeah, he's killing it in that. It's also, it's interesting because it sounds like he's almost undermixed, but it works. Like his voice is yeah. a little bit quieter than the guitars, but it's still, it's like the driving melody. It's really yeah. interesting the way that's produced. 
I mean, he's got a really powerful voice, so maybe they had to do it that way so we didn't overpower the guitars. Yeah, but it but it almost works in a better way uh, in that method because the guitars are louder, but he's still the melody, so you're like focusing on it a lot. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a really, really good, good album. And actually, the uh, I believe it's uh, the first song on the album. It's called All Night Long. That's a really good song. I was actually going right. to use that one first, but then I liked. Uh, I, th I thought his singing was a little bit better in that one, or like a little yeah. more variety in the singing, so you could catch his his range a, a little totally. bit better. That's um, a good song. It's a great song. That's awesome. It's a good album. All right, so number two, I was going to do Sammy Hagar, but sorry, Sammy, you're getting picked out for uh, Frank <laughs> Domino. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do the song Mirrors by Angel, uh, Frank Domino singing. It's from the album Hell of a Band from 1976. So Domino's clarity, power range is on full display on Mirrors. I have trouble saying that word. Mirrors? Mirrors. 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 That might be the Canadian in us. We just like blend it together. Mirrors. Yeah, I've got a terrible Canadian accent. Uh, <laughs> great fantasy theme lyrics too. Uh, but yeah, it's just a really good song. His, uh, this kind of shows, there's a couple other songs I was kind of humming and hawing between, but uh, I found Mirrors showed a little bit more of its abilities. Right. Let's check it out. Mirrors, Angel. sweet song i've never uh, i've never listened to angel before and they're not even on spotify hey unless i can't find them oh they are they are they are uh, oh, okay they're just they're just buried in i would say if you're gonna listen to angel their first two albums are really good after that it kind of goes downhill so their first okay. okay. self-titled album and then their second album that this is on called hell of a band those two albums are worth listening to for sure right okay yeah that was that was sweet though it's almost like the guitar is struggling to keep up with him <laughs> like yeah. it's trying to hit the same notes that he's hitting it's actually the first song on their first album. It's called Tower. I was going to use that song, and it's really good. He kind of sings high that whole song, and it's it's pretty awesome. Mm, Epic okay, song. yeah. I recommend that one. I'll, I have like an expanded playlist that I can throw that on there. Sweet. All right, so number three. This is a bit more recognizable song. You're going to know it. It's uh, okay. Back in the Sa Back in the Saddle by Aerosmith. Oh, yeah, totally fair. It's uh, Steven mm -hmm. Tyler, obviously, from the album Rocks mm -hmm. from 1976. Uh, I would have picked Dream On, but like I was saying before, it takes a little bit too long to build up. Mm -hmm. um, Back in the Saddle has Tyler screaming right out of the gates. Not nearly as high as the notes he's been known to hit, but uh, it's kind of a nice cross-section of his vocal talents. And right. uh, just a, a great song. Sweet. All right, let's give it a listen. Back in the Saddle, Aerosmith. I think I like that song more if I'm focusing on Steven Tyler, because I've obviously heard that a lot. But uh, but just focusing on him, like I appreciate it a little bit more. Uh, his singing is the best part of the song. Like I yeah, 
his his i mean his voice is so distinctive you know uh, joe perry's a great guitarist but like steven tyler that band was his you know he uh yeah he uh, made it distinctive right totally yeah I, i've never been the biggest aerosmith fan and i think it's because like they're maybe a little too bluesy I, I could be wrong in that but that's sort of the sense i get and i get a little exhausted when i'm just like the blues yeah. over and over again well their um, older stuff was more like funky it was like really good if you go back yeah, to their it, first few few albums like they're pre pre toys in the attic well they, that was their second album or no so third album i think get your wings was their second album right it was like so in and around toys in the attic okay really anything from their first album up till rocks till this album mm-hmm. and i mean they have some good great stuff in the 80s too but they, don't want to miss a thing is amazing also that's not the 80s uh, but suck it dog just just <laughs> throwing that out there it's <laughs> <laughs> okay uh number four we're doing the song Bloodsucker by Deep Purple with Ian Gillen singing from the album In Rock from 1970. This whole album is a testament to Gillen's vocal skills in his prime with Deep Purple. Uh, right. His vocals through the verse have this gritty edge to him, and then he kicks it up a notch with this blood-curdling scream at the end of the verses. And uh, he kicks it even a step higher, even more in like the last verse. Um, Child in Time is a better representation of his range, but we used it on a previous playlist, so I couldn't use okay. it. <laughs> Um, and then Highway Star from Machine Head would have been a good choice as well, but it's uh, oh. it's, it's, it's played in the radio a lot, so I didn't want to use it. Yeah, it's true. But one of my favorite songs of all time. I love that song so much. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great song. Gillen's vocals are amazing on it, but I, I just want to mm-hmm. do something a little bit more obscure. So totally. Uh, all right, Bloodsucker, Deep Purple. It is really, really good, like uh, vocal wise. Like as he he like walks the song along. Yeah, yeah, he definitely that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it moves, it moves to his progression, uh, in a really cool way. All right, number five. The song is getting tighter. Well, I don't think there's a G. I think it's getting tighter. Okay. <laughs> but uh, by Deep Purple. And they consider this, so the Ian Gillen Deep Purple is Mark II Deep Purple. So like the old uh, like psychedelic shit, that's like Mark One, that okay. no one really cares about anymore. Uh, then Mark II is like the Ian Gillen stuff, which is really good. And then Mark Three is like David Coverdale and uh, Glenn Hughes. Right. So like a few albums I did. So this is uh, Deep Purple Mark Three with Glenn Hughes doing the uh, verse lead in the song. Uh, and this comes from the album Come Taste the Band from 1975. So okay. like I was saying before, David Coverdale sang the first lead in a lot of their songs. But uh, he was he was additional lead vocals were a big part of the band's sound during this period. And uh, he does get the first lead in this one. And it's a bit of a funkier style hard rock track. And it kind of shows off his, uh, his soulful vocal style. Cool. All right. Uh, and just to, just to mention this, when you said the... <laughs> The album name, Come Taste the Band, is like, ah, oh, that's pretty crass, guys. But the album yeah. cover is all their faces on a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. it's not, not as tasteless as you think. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really funny when I see the picture of the album. Uh, all right, getting tighter. Be purple.
This one's a lot more subtle, but it's still great, especially at the end when the, the guitar is going off and he's kind of punching his notes in. It sounds great. Yeah, he's got a good voice, eh? Mm, absolutely. It, it's nice to hear him get like his own stuff later on, you know, like where he's like the focal point. Yeah. I mean, well, Glenn Hughes was in another band called Trapeze before that, like a funk band. So okay. he'd, he'd, he'd been around a bit. He wasn't like just coming, like it wasn't his first band or anything. Yeah. That makes sense for the sound. You can really hear that. And it works really well as well. And and it blends like the funk and the blues together a little bit and it yeah. makes a cool sound. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Coverdale, like their voices went pretty well together, I found, for some of that mm. deep purple stuff there. Yeah. Um, all right. What's next here? Number six. We're going to do the song Virgin Killer from Scorpions, uh, singer right. Klaus Mein from the album Virgin Killer from 1976. So this title track off one of their early albums, Mine shows off some pretty impressive power and range, and he cements his voice as a central part of the Scorpion sound, or the central part of it, I guess. Yeah. This is where they really started to come into their own after right. making some kind of forgettable material early on. Yeah, I gotcha. All right, uh, let's check it out. Virgin Killer, Scorpions. <laughs> It's like almost generic until until he kicks in with the vocals and then it goes crazy. Yeah, his voice really carries that track. It's like so powerful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's probably where they really found what worked for them, you know? Yeah. And kind of went with it from there. Because after that, like after Virgin Killer, they put out like a bunch of really good albums or, you know, albums with like some really, really strong tracks on them. And like really yeah. kind of found the groove. Yeah, you can hear, you can hear like nuggets of it in there. Yeah, some fairly controversial and odd album covers and uh, and song titles, <laughs> like like Virgin. Yeah. Killer, they actually had this like that cover that they show on Spotify isn't the original cover. They, uh, really? Yeah, there's like it's a it's a it's a really weird. I'm not even gonna tell the story about it. People can look it up if they want because I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, all right, number uh, number seven, and yep. you already kind of ruined this for me, but I'm gonna use uh, Brighton Rock. <laughs> Like oh, sorry. That's why you went. That's why I kind of like brushed it off <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you were talking about Brayton Rock. But uh, Freddie Mercury, obviously, uh, from the album Sheer Heart Attack from 1974. And uh, Mercury's ability to seamlessly switch octaves through the songs. I think it's octaves or notes or whatever. But like when he sw like, switches from like high to low. And, uh, yeah, just, the octave, yeah. It's just like crystal clear and... It's just amazing, like the way you'll like he'll be midline and he'll switch his his voice, like he'll, he'll go from high to low, and it's like I don't know, not, not, I don't know anyone else who could do that. <laughs> but, well, that's what that's what we're talking about. In like the all the vocal ranges are pretty similar, and they're probably yeah similar sort of across the board. But it's like the precision that you can hit it. Yeah, and it's not like he's jumping. It's not like he's jumping from like a super low one to a really high one. It's like it's 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 not it's it's noticeable, but it's not a huge jump. But it's so smooth. Yeah, yeah. It just like the way he does it is just uh, very impressive. Um, but yeah, and then and then uh, you know there's a bunch of wicked Brian May guitar work as well if you want to listen mm -hmm. to the whole tr the whole song. But. Yeah, yeah. No, it's an awesome song. 
All right, bright and rock, queen. he does it gradually without stopping his singing like he just he he switches in the middle of a verse it's crazy yeah, that's what i mean it's seamless like you don't even yeah he, he doesn't even pause at all he just goes straight into it it's crazy well, it's like yeah. he goes he goes down the scale almost without it ever yeah. sounding like it's out of key yeah yeah it's very very impressive anyway like, it's like some of the best vocal work i've ever heard yeah yeah like that's just control that you probably yeah. can't teach people <laughs> yeah i mean what what some of these guys uh probably surpass him in power he definitely makes up for in his control yeah for uh, sure all right so moving on to number eight yep. here's a, this is another radio song i hope no one's disappointed in me but i just <laughs> I, I love it so uh, i'm gonna do the immigrant song by led zeppelin ah uh, worth it uh it's robert plant from led zeppelin 3 from 1970 uh, i know like i said this one's all over mainstream rock radio but <laughs> I, I love the song uh plants haunting whale at the start and his powerful epic verses like this song just kicks ass and the theme, like the Viking theme is freaking awesome. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just a badass song and his, uh, his vocals are, are wicked and he shows like both sides of, it. you know, he's singing the high stuff, singing like the kind of like edgy lower stuff. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic song. All right. Let's, uh, let's check it out. Immigrant song. Led Zeppelin. It's just a sick song. <laughs> can't. It's so can't good. I, like, listening to it. That's like one of those. There's some songs I get sick of hearing after a while, but that's like just one song that I never get sick of hearing. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it is always like a little bit different with the big headphones on and like picking out a piece of the song when you're listening to it, like just focusing on his vocals. You yeah. Get like a deeper appreciation for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a really well done song in so many aspects, like the, the freaking musicianship in it, the vocals, the lyrics, like it's just. The, just the, the tone of it you know mm -hmm. um and uh i feel like we'd be remiss to not mention this when we were uh we're going through led zeppelin and robert plant that he was uh i thought he was told by a a singing teacher that he couldn't sing but it was by the manager of a band he was playing in and said i'm sorry robert but there's just something about you <laughs> that, like, that was like that they didn't like that, yeah, he's like, he told me I couldn't sing. He said, I'm sorry, Robert. There's just something about you. <laughs> it's like, you can't oh, sing. You're out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know who won that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
All right, these are the uh, getting to the big ones here. Uh, what yeah. do we call it? The, the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Yeah. I really, I really wish that brass tacks thing would would go would fit properly. Like, yeah. I, really like that thing, but I, I just, I don't think it fits. <laughs> it probably, is, it probably is something negative. You're, you're probably right. So ne- negative, or it's just it's more foundational. It's like let's figure out how this works. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're, get, you're getting down to the the nails of the thing. All right. Um, number nine. We're going to do the song Man on the Silver Mountain by Rainbow. It's uh, Ronnie James Dio. Love that song. Uh, So this is from Richie Blackmore's Rainbow from 1975. Uh, It's an early taste of the effect and influence that Dio's powerful pipes would have on hard rock and metal in the near future. Uh, Pretty much the perfect hard rock voice. Uh, And like in the song, the buildup and the chorus are just legendary. And I just like this whole album. It's got a lot of like fantasy theme, which I love. And I think Dio's voice just like sings it so perfectly yeah all right man on the silver mountain rainbow really interesting that it's like richie blackmore but the song is clearly like the focus is on dio oh for sure it, man. It's, I get, it's the loudest part the whole way through i've heard that song so many times and i still get goosebumps when i hear like when i hear him start singing man it's so good and like when he kicks into the chorus like ah, unreal yeah no it's great like that that's not the best rainbow album like the two albums that they did uh rising and long live rock and roll are actually better albums but i just like there's a couple songs in that first album that are just super like just excellent yeah yeah and that's totally. one of them all right number 10 so this one was like really hard for me because i could have picked from like 30 freaking songs <laughs> but uh i'm gonna go with the song dissident aggressor uh okay. by judas priest sang by rob halford it's from the album sin after sin from 1977 so Halford's vocal abilities are really starting to manifest on Sin After Sin. He's uh, he's hitting the high notes with phenomenal control and clarity um, before what I would consider his vocal peak, which would be on the next album, Stained Class, where his vocals are just in like a different dimension. <laughs> but uh, right. Dissident, Dissident Aggressor is a solid showcase of Halford's range and operatic style. And uh, it's, like, like I said, my personal favorite hard rock or heavy metal singer of the 70s. Um, honestly, like I was trying to find a song on Stained Class, and I was like, I was listening to it and every song was so freaking good that I just like, I just couldn't pick one. So I'm like, I'm just going to go right. back to Sin After Sin and pick like a song of Sin After Sin. Like, and yeah. I just, it was just a little bit easier. So obviously I recommend checking out a lot of other stuff from Jewish Priest from, I mean, the seventies and the eighties, but especially from, you know, Sin After Sin, Stained Class. And then, uh, I guess Hellbent for Leather is the album after that or uh, Killing Machine yeah. is the actual name of it. Kind of like uh, seeing their foundation. All those albums are phenomenal. Uh, But yeah, check this one out. All right. Dissident Aggressor, Judas Priest. (laughs) 
It's actually insane what he can do. Like Robert Halford, oh, is, it's, he's still amazing, but like when he's got like more youth, it's actually yeah. nice. Oh, like in the seventies, like I said, he was at his peak in the middle late seventies, and he was just like, yeah, it was un, it was unreal, man. Like the, oh, totally. nobody else was hitting notes like that. I mean, even into the eighties, right? Like he was still doing that into the into the even like painkiller, right? Yeah, but it's like just a, a little bit smoother, kind of like Steven Tyler. Like he can hit the notes now, but he it was smoother then. Yeah, it was so clear, yeah, clear and smooth, and like just yeah. flawless, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. That's number ten. But uh, yeah, I just. I was excited about this one. I just think there's so much good music to listen to to do this list. Yeah, oh, it's so a great, it's exciting. a, it's yeah. a great list. And uh, just thinking about it more, like listening to the songs and picking out the one part of it, you just appreciate what they're doing a lot more. Yeah. Well, and, and it's cool. There's a couple singers in here that a lot of people may not be familiar with. Like I don't like Graham Bonnet, uh, Frank Domino, like guys like that. That some people may not be like they're not really played on the radio much. Mm-hmm. So they, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's kind of hopefully can introduce some people to some some new music you know yeah totally especially like if the city or you don't have satellite radio or something like they're really phoned in in terms of like which songs are gonna get listens i guess like what people want to hear so they're not willing to deep dive as much so it's a good opportunity to branch out and uh just to kind of smooth things over with sammy hagar uh, I, I will give him a little shout out for that first album he did with Montrose. It was really good. And there's still, he did a whole bunch of solo stuff in the seventies that wasn't all amazing, but there's some good stuff in there too. Yeah. And, it's not uh, that you don't cool. like him. No, he's a, he's a great singer. He was on my list. He's like, he's, he's very close there. Right. So, uh, yeah. Number 11, a, as he said, I think he's got a, so I think he's a great musician and got an awesome voice. So yeah. Well, don't, don't want Sammy Hager coming after us. No, no. I mean, he seems like a, decent guy and i ate at, his, ate at his restaurant in vegas and it was pretty good so oh wow. i don't want to trash talk him too bad yeah cabo wabo it's pretty i didn't know he had a restaurant decent mexican mexican style food yeah. interesting thing for sammy Hagar to branch out into yeah he's he's uh he got the restaurant he's got his own uh tequila oh he's uh, yeah. quite the businessman seriously he's got a whole gretzky thing going on he's gretzky sells like wine and suits it's just like i'm gonna yeah, invest got- in all these random things He's got a pretty decent whiskey too, Gretzky. Really? Huh. I've, I've yeah. tried the wine before and it wasn't bad. Yeah, I've had his wine and his whiskey. Anyway, right. yeah, so that's that's the list. <laughs> that's the list. Uh, check out Wayne Gretzky's wine, and that's, I think that's we, uh, <laughs> we're actually talking about stuff we like. We don't get paid for any of this. Shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a, we're we're Canadians, so we have to yeah. plug Wayne Gretzky's businesses. So. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I. Uh, yeah, that's, that's going to do it for this episode of The Heavy then. Uh, that playlist we just went over, it's on Spotify. We update it every week with these new songs, so make sure to check it out. We'll put a link to that playlist in the show notes, and you can see in the show notes too a complete list of the other songs, everything we talked about in this episode. And uh, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a rating on iTunes. Our website is theheavy.podbean.com. You can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Heavy Pod on all of those. Our show is edited by Ian Sutherland with Andrew doing the research. Our brother Rob designed the logo. And our theme song is Stallions of the Highway by Savage Blade. I'm your host, Don Sutherland, and thanks for listening. We'll catch you again in two weeks. Later.